if you carve your name on a tree and come back 10 years later, will it be approximately in the same spot? And would your name be the same? Also, did the earth move for you? This is season seven of Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Listen, laugh, and learn. Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. And we scoured the internet this week and other sources with our staff find out totally useless information just for you. Plus, we will answer your questions in our mailbag segment. And in the news this week, this cracker has a tracker. Totally useless <laughs> information. It's everything you never needed to know. As voted by you, the most popular jingle. Einstein was a moron. Newton was a jerk. We ran a poll recently, and uh, and we'll hear more about it in more polls in our newsletter. But thank you for listening. Right. Um, more people, and in- we don't call it taking a poll uh, from from our our striptease days. We call it climbing a poll. We ask you to <laughs> send us your feedback at nickandroy.com. We'll, like we said, we'll answer your mailbag. But let's get right to the science section right here. It's about time. Al, you know, you've uh, seen and heard the uh, rocket liftoffs at Cape Canaveral in Florida, right? And you hear yeah. T minus and L minus, and, you want, and you're wondering, because I'm sure, like I wonder, have you ever wondered what L minus stands for and what T minus stands for? Uh, don't know. But I, Have exactly. I ever wondered that? Yes. Uh, no, I'm not going to lie for the sake of the audience. No, I've never wondered. Well, one, but now you have me intrigued. You have my uh, attention now, and I need to know what it is. Yeah, I do need to know, Nick. <laughs> it's everything you never needed to know. So L- refers to the days, hours, and minutes remaining in the scheduled countdown to launch, which occurs at the L-whatever. Okay, then T- refers to the time remaining on the official countdown clock, where the T stands for time. L for launch, T for time. Okay? Oh, cool. During planned holds in the countdown process, when the countdown clock is actually but intentionally stopped, the T minus, the T time also stops. The L time, however, is synced to the clock on the wall and continues to advance. It's like a lapse of time, I guess. Under normal circumstances, these countdowns remain in sync. For example, there's a 15-minute hold planned at T minus 4 minutes which occurs at L minus 19 minutes. Once the hold is lifted and the countdown resumes, the clocks will be synced and show four minutes remaining, and then the countdown goes from there, and then three, two, one, liftoff. We have liftoff, and away you go. So T minus and L minus. Yeah, I have a tea time once a week. It's at a golf club. I use a three driver. <laughs> That's right, yes. I have a driver, and you know what? I'm really getting yeah. good at golf. I mean, I know you golf a lot in Florida. I'm up in Toronto, Canada. We do have golf courses here, and I'm telling you, I'm absolutely a master when it comes to golf because every time I get it into the elephant's mouth. I have a driver, too, as well, and and I just got him used to opening the doors for us now. <laughs> <laughs> Slam the door shut. In ancient times... How were they, Nick? <laughs> I'm sorry. Could you repeat that? What? What did you say? <laughs> In ancient times, if you got a big cut or a wound, mm-hmm. doctors would pull the skin together where the cut was yeah. and then place these large ants, which would then bite 
the skin on the seam. Once they bit the skin and locked on real good, the doctor would pull the body of the ant off, leaving just the head that was attached to the wound. He would place a bunch of them on the cut, and by the time he was done, he had a suture. The ant's jaws would hold the cut together. Wow. You would then heal, and then they would take the ant's heads off. So before stitches and sutures, they use ant heads. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay, cool. Um, Here's my teaser. Did you feel the earth move? The Richter scale, developed by Charles Richter and Bano Guttenberg. They created an instrument that was an absolute measure of the earthquake's intensity. They use a seismograph, and it's an instrument generally consisting of unwinding coil of paper anchored to a fixed place and a pendulum or magnet suspended with marking the device above the roll so that it actually records the actual earth motion during the earthquake. The scale takes into account the instrument's distance from the epicenter. We've heard that before when you hear about earthquakes or the point on the ground that is directly above the earthquake's origin. Now, coming up in the next segment in history, I'll tell you how earthquakes were measured before the Richter scale was developed. So it was Richter and Gutenberg, huh? That's correct. So, so Richter used the numbers like seven, eight Richter. Yes. On the Richter scale, so it was like an eight Richter. And Guten used names like strong and very and things like that. So, if it was a nine on the Richter scale, it was a very on the Guten scale. So, it was a nine Richter, very Guten. Right, very Guten. <laughs> you know what? It that was sound- about as confusing as your thing. Listen, that sounded very, very German. It's very guten. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that, that's guten. Guten. When we die, okay? Yeah. The brain continues electrical activity for up to 37 hours after we're dead. Even for us? Maybe not for you, Nick. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> We'd have to check and see if there's any electrical activity right now. Put a Richter scale. <laughs> you know what? Why don't you put my head, hook my head up to a Richter scale and see what kind of activity there is. Yeah. Yours is no. No gluten. <laughs> so 37 hours. So there may be some truth to the fact that the soul leaves the body after death, you know? The, or either that or it's just the brain taking its time to shut down. So are you saying oh, I'm no. are you saying that I'm gluten free? Radar, <laughs> which is actually an acronym, radio detection and ranging, R A D A R, and actually ah. it's uh, it's a it's a word that spells the same backwards and forwards. I like this one already. So radar stands for radio detection and ranging. That's a good one. It was That's de- a good one. It was developed over the years with input from many sources, but it was Robert Watson Watt. Robert Watson yeah. Watt. What? 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 <laughs> that's right. What's his name? <laughs> Robert Watson Watt? And that's how it stuck. <laughs> he was a Scottish physicist looking for reliable methods to help airmen locate and avoid approaching thunderstorms. Who? Mm-hmm. He's the one who first designed the first set and put into practical use. So radar is a palindrome, which is a word or phrase that has that's spelled the same backwards and forwards. So it's a palindrome. The old palindrome. Thanks to Robert Watson. What? 
So here's my teaser, guys. Mm -hmm. If you carve your name on a tree and come back in 10 years later, you know, like 10 years later, you walk back in, you find the tree, you carved, and wow, the name will be in almost the same spot. Really? Why? Because trees may grow wider, but usually trees only grow taller from the top. So where you carved it at the base would normally stay very similar but the top will have grown. So when you come back 10 years later, the tree will be three times the size and height, but your carving will be very, very in a very, very similar spot to where it was when you did it. That's and fine. by the way, yes, I went to the Adirondack Mountains when I was like uh, 13, 14, 15, around there, we'd go every year. Mm -hmm. And I would carve in the trees and, and things like that. And later on, I went back up with my dad and my son, and we found trees that I had carved, and sure as hell, now that I think about it, they were almost in the same spot. And I never really thought about that until I saw this little factoid. You know, I could relate to it. I can relate to what you said, because you said the middle grows as the years go on. Yes, I can relate to yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the belt size. <laughs> That's right. So we, I talked about radar, the palindrome. Uh, let's talk about Doppler radar. In 1935, the weather radar was named the Doppler radar after Kristen Andreas Smith. No, Kristen Andreas Doppler. Okay, so these guys are real vain. They name this after themselves. That's right. After, yeah. And remember, he has three names. So anybody who has three names, we found out over the years here a totally useless information with Nick and Roy. If you have three names, you're quite important. Kristen Andreas Doppler was an Austrian mathematician and physicist. He is celebrated for his principle, known as the Doppler effect, that the observed frequency of a wave depends on the relative speed of the source and the observer. The lotus tree. Yes. It's a really... Big, big in Asia, the lotus tree. Okay, but the lotus tree or bush, whichever. Mm -hmm. um, they found seeds from lotus trees in the ground that were 3,000 years old. The amazing thing about them is 3,000-year-old lotus seeds can still grow and sprout a new lotus tree. Isn't that cool? I'd like to be around after 3,000 years and spread my seeds. You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. We thank you very much for listening. We have 66 countries that are listening to our show right now. We are on... Nick, I, I thought you were 3,000 years old. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And I have the seeds to prove it. We're also on the iHeartRadio Talk Network in Canada, coast to coast to coast. And you're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. What happens tomorrow is history. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. yeah. The oldest spoken language on record is called Tamil. T-A-M-I-L. Uh-huh. Sometimes I believe Nick is speaking in that language. <laughs> I speak in a different tongue. I have three I have many tongues. Yeah. Usually after a few blasts of Jack Daniels, Nick's like, blah, blah, blah. It's like, are you speaking Tamil again? Okay. It was spoken by people in the region of India near Sri Lanka 5,000 years ago. Oh. 
can you imagine this was a recorded language it is one of the first recorded languages ever not recorded recorded but recorded by by writing tamil t-a-m-i-l recorded because i saw they didn't have an audio recording of it no no right okay because i was i was listening for it i was like where is it no, five thousand years ago. No. no. Would you think they weren't using records? They didn't. Uh, no, no eight tracks, no. no cassettes. No. Nope. Okay. Nope. Just checking. Now here's uh, my tease to uh, the history section. So we talked about the Richter scale in the last segment during science here in history. In 1902, the only way to rate earth shocks or earthquakes was a scale developed by the Italian priest and geologist Giuseppe Marcali. The Marcali scale used Roman numerals and classifies earthquakes from I to XII, Roman numerals, depending mm-hmm. on how buildings and people responded to the tremor. <laughs> it's a really bad. <laughs> I give it that one of E. <laughs> so, a shock that set the chandelier swinging might rate it as a one or, or I or II on a scale. Because yeah. they were so scared, Nick, that they would stutter. And they go, I, how was how bad? How bad was it? I, 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 I. Oh, three eyes. <laughs> While one that destroyed huge buildings and created panic in a crowded city might count as an X or 10. Ooh. The obvious yeah. problem with the Mercalli scale was that it relied on subjective measures of how well a building had been constructed and how it used these sorts of crises, you know, depending how the population reacted to this crisis so as you said you know now being in italy you would think they make a good the good to construction so it wouldn't be bad right no no it wouldn't be a no x no 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 one you know something that would cause hysteria and panic and an upsetting feeling would be an ex maybe an ex-wife <laughs> that's right exes <laughs> in 10 knows my ex was there in the middle of the street yelling yeah, yeah, my ex my ex <laughs> She'll shake you up. One of our founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson, actually in 1785, Thomas Jefferson broke his wrist. Oh. Yes. Trying to impress, by the way, in France, he was trying to impress this woman named Maria Cosway. I actually have her name, Maria Cosway. And he went to jump a fence and broke his wrist doing it. There were two problems. Number one, he broke his wrist jumping a fence, Mm -hmm. which means he wasn't too strong to begin with, I don't think. Didn't really work very much, I would assume. Right. But the biggest problem was Maria Cosway was a married woman. Oh. Oh, yes. Old Tommy boy was trying to impress this uh, this uh, married woman. And his name was Jefferson. So he was like, Maria, we can move it on up <laughs> to the side, yeah. to a deluxe apartment in the sky. So do you, are you sure that he broke his wrists trying to jump the fence or did her husband catch him trying to climb the fence no 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 he broke his wrist trying to jump a fence a a parisian doctor fixed the break by resetting it and it never grew back correctly and the rest of his life he had arthritis in his hands and wrists and the and his hand and wrist that bothered him for the rest of his life Hmm. so maria did get back at him by annoying him for the rest of his life just like he was married to her (laughs) (laughs) exactly 
So uh, the Luftwaffe. Luftwaffe? Uh, no, Luft, Luftwaffe was a master okay. interrogator. Okay. Hans Scharf was his name. He yeah. was the master. Yeah. Do you Hans Scharf. You know him? Oh, yeah. He's a very nice man. Well, listen, he was a master interrogator. He always got the answers, but this is what he, he did was he killed them with kindness. He, he might have been a Luftwaffe. You might have been right because Luftwaffe was the actual air, the, uh, the air force. Okay. Well, his tactic was being as nice as possible. His best tactics for getting information out of prisoners included nature walks without guards present, baking them homemade food, cracking jokes, drinking beers, afternoon tea with German fighter aces. His techniques were so successful that the U.S. military later incorporated these methods into their own interrogation schools. He was like, today we're going to play some sweet love music. On then we're going to play hide the... <laughs> hide the Please tell me, where are the rest of your troops? <laughs> they're, they're hiding the kielbasa. <laughs> First we play hide the carrot. If you don't tell me, we play hide the salami. But could you imagine, so literally kill him with kindness, right? So he's like going on nature walks and he's getting all kinds of information from some good for him. Yeah, yeah, that was a nice technique, you know? Yeah. Tico Brachi. T-Y-C-H-O. I believe that's Tycho. Tycho? I guess Tycho. Maybe. Brachi. Mm -hmm. B-R-A-C-H-E. In 1566, he was a mathematician. He was a master mathematician. And he believed that his formula for solving this specific problem was correct. But a Danish nobleman thought that he had the proper formula for it and thought he was correct. Tycho was so upset that he said, you know what, let's have a duel. So they have a duel and Tycho loses. He gets his nose shot off. Oh, ouch. Yep. And I couldn't find out whose formula was correct. I guess no one knows. <laughs> <laughs> You know who does know? Nostradamus. Nostradamus. <laughs> that actually was from. Uh, I actually stole that from us. So it's not really steal. Is it stealing? If you take it from our previous one of our previous episodes, in one of the episodes of uh, News from Around the World, um, this lady had a tiddlywink stuck in her nose, and so we came up with the idea that it was Nostradamus who predicted that it was going to be painful for a long time. Nostradamus, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can go to... Can you believe that this guy was a stubborn mathematician and he gets his nose shot off? Right. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. The two-step. During the Depression, there were a lot of dance marathons, believe it or not. These human endurance contests served as a way of giving financially unstable married couples a roof over their head and food to eat for a few days. So they would enter these contests and participate in these dance marathons. The dance partners would take turns sleeping while the other propped them up and continued dancing with them. Oh, this was so they propped them up? Yeah. Well, because the long it's like the, the old fashioned, you know, the dance. longer you dance, you'd win. Right. Right. And so because you needed to sleep, so they would take turns sleeping while the other partner propped them up and continued dancing with them while, while they were kind of like oh, wow. sleeping on them. Yeah. There you go. Well, during wow. the Depression, it was really important to get a roof over your head. 
yeah plus you need uh, you need your sleep you know exactly so- <laughs> yeah yeah that's the rumor yes well good of you if you don't have eight hours sleep that's great i, I just find a really good female partner she could just dance and hold me up you know i'll wake up like eight hours later did we win <laughs> there was a phenomenon called the phoenix lights the what phenomena phoenix the phoenix lights okay and no this is not a cigarette or a beer no no <laughs> the phoenix the phoenix lights were probably the most documented ufo phenomenon of all times and i never knew about it in 1977 thousands of people in the phoenix area saw these strange lights in the sky there was multiple videotapes of them mm-hmm. there were multiple people calling the police department there were police officers who saw them there were people that that were in all different types of lines of work including people that worked for the government and so on and so forth that saw these strange lights till this day it has never been explained and it will go down as of now as the most unexplained ufo phenomenon of all times it's called the phoenix lights excellent when you say mm-hmm. phenomena i was thinking of that uh, song from sesame street Manamana. it's good that it's not the phoenix darks because then nobody would have seen it that's right. <laughs> now let's let's kind of go off on a tangent here. I think um, the As that we don't. No, well, we no, normally don't. <laughs> the song "Manamana" from Sesame Street, which is now an earworm, was actually uh, an Italian composer, Piero Omigliani. He composed these scores for <laughs> spaghetti westerns and softcore sex films. So that oh, mana- there you go. That's always great. So that mana- you know mana- what Bert and Ernie were doing, right? <laughs> exactly. So Sweden, Heaven and Hell was the name of the uh, of the movie. And in a scene where a bunch of Swedish models crowd into a sauna wearing little more than uh, bath towels. Manamana. Wearing little more than their anamanamanam. You know, Nick. Yes. I was talking to somebody who sent us a voice message and I went back and forth with them. Yeah. And they were talking about the newsletter. Yeah. And because they got a birthday message and they received the newsletter, folks. You know, Nick and I, we don't ask like a lot of other podcasts and, and uh, shows ask for Patreons, like people to go on and pretty much you're, you're begging for people to, to give you some donations. Right. And Nick and I don't like doing that because, A, we, we don't really do well begging. We do enough of that with our wives. So <laughs> what we do, what we really do want to do is tell you about our newsletter. It's 1995. You get 12 issues. That's a whole year of issues for 1995. You're helping support the show. You'll also get VIP stuff. You'll be able to communicate with us through the newsletter, and you'll also help shape the show. So go to nickandroy.com. That's nickandroy.com. Go on now. Click on newsletter. You'd be helping us out a lot by doing it. We really would appreciate it. And we're trying to give you something back for you helping out the show. Get your souvenirs here. Get your souvenirs. When Louis the XVI is what? It's 16. Louis the 16th 
and Marie Antoinette were beheaded, it is said that people dipped handkerchiefs in their blood to keep as souvenirs. I saw this. I saw this. Go on. Go on. In, this is interesting. In 2011, a group of scientists confirmed that blood-stained handkerchiefs dated from approximately 1793 was soaked in the blood of Louis XVI. Wow. So these people, these psychos, they ran up and they, and they, ugh, how disgusting. It is. Hey, that's yeah. a great segue into our next topic. Bone chilling. Blood curdling. Oh, the horror of horrors. Listen, if you dare. I get that you. Louis the Sixteenth, Nick. He, he he had a bad temper. You know, they said he'd lose his head. <laughs> Don't lose your head over it. <laughs> wow. So uh, yeah, we haven't done horror in a while. So uh, we're going. To, I'm going to enlighten you this week with the worst horror movies ever. Here's here's the Ooh. first one on the list. One okay. missed call is the name of the movie. When Beth Raymond witnesses the deaths of two friends, she knows there's more at work than just a, a tragic coincidence. Days before they die, both victims hear their terrifying moments on cell phones. Though the police think Beth is crazy, Detective Jack Andrews, he believes her. Together, the pair try to unravel the mystery behind the horrifying messages before their own phone numbers came up. Mm. One missed call. Stephen King. Yes. Fantastic horror writer. Yes. Right? Yes. He lives, he lives in, I believe he lives in Maine, up close to you guys in Canada. There. Okay. He's, a, he's one of them... Uh, like uh, way up north guys. Yeah. He called the high school in the book Carrie. He called the high school Ewan, E-W-E-N, Ewan High School. Well, when the film was made in 1976, it was made by famous producer now, Brian De Palma. Oh, yes. And Brian De Palma said he wanted to pay homage to Hitchcock which a lot of them did, these horror guys. So he named the high school Bates High School instead. So he changed the name on the script to Bates High School from Ewan High School in the book. So Maine is not too far from, I'm in Toronto, Canada, Roy's in uh, Fort Myers. So I think Maine is a little bit closer to me than he is, than he is to Roy. Yes. Do you Did you ever see Carrie? Yes. She says hello. Did you see it in the movies back then? Yes, I did. Yeah, that was some scary-ass movie, boy, back then. I'll tell you the truth. I, I remember as a kid seeing that blood go down on her, and she started freaking out. Ah, 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 ah. That music was crazy, yeah. and people, oh, that was good. Yeah, you, yeah, you're a fan of horror films. I kind of like them. I'm not a big horror person. I actually wrote a horror screenplay called Meet Mama. Really? Yeah, I'll talk about it in the newsletter next time. That's right. Go to nickandwright.com newsletter. Check it out uh, for in a future issue. Hey, here's another movie that was one of the worst horror movies ever. Cabin Fever. Fresh out of college, five friends face the horrors of flesh-eating virus while staying at a remote cabin. Here's what the critics say. No need for quarantine. Enthusiasm for this inert remake is not contagious. <laughs> <laughs> Cabin fever. 
Cabin fever. Yeah. You probably can't, can't find it anywhere. So. Yeah. In 1982, the movie The Thing, the this thing. is a scene where the doctor gets both his arms eaten and ripped off. Mm. Now, supposedly, and I've never seen, I don't remember seeing The Thing, but this 1982 movie, this scene was so graphic and ridiculously realistic looking that people flipped out when they saw it. Well, the reason that it was so well done was because they paid an amputee who had no arms. They made arms out of fake skin and jello, placed them on the gentleman who had no arms, just stumps, and then proceeded to rip them off while filming and it looked so real because the man had no arms that's quite clever because usually they use prosthetics and other um well now i guess cgi computer generated imaging where they would pretend that someone's limbs were taken off but man that's that's quite clever of them very good yeah things got a little upsetting though when they said to this particular guy uh, can you give me a hand here <laughs> that's right <laughs> you know what? It, they, I think he only was on the set one day, and it cost the producers an arm and a leg. Yeah, he's a tough audience too because he never claps. Oh my know? gosh! Here we go. <laughs> here come the letters and emails. Uh, NickandRoy.com/slash/contact us. Oh come on! Here's oh, another on. horrible horror movie: Beneath the Darkness. Teenagers beneath the darkness. Beneath the darkness. Teenagers discover a terrible secret when they break into a home of a mortician whose Ooh. wife died two years earlier. Yeah, but she's in the house, Nick. Oh, probably, yeah. Beneath that the is... darkness. Yeah. She's right behind beneath... you. Look out. There she is. <laughs> <laughs> that was scary. My wife is standing behind me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow, is right. She doesn't listen anymore, Nick. <laughs> well, after 30, <laughs> 39 plus years, man, why should she? <laughs> right. In Aliens, when the alien bursts out of the guy's chest. Now, most people have seen the movie Aliens. You've seen Alien, right? Yes, yes, yes. The original. And that is a phenomenal scene because you'd never really seen anything like that before no, no. until then. Well, the director of the film wanted them to be so shocked that he never told the actors that this thing was going to come flying out of this person's chest. So they got it all ready to go and then brought the actors in. So, as, of course, when the monster comes out of the chest, all the actors, of course, jump back because they're so scared. And it's real. So it was a realistic approach to acting. That's the way to do it. Just like in uh, in The Godfather, if you, the infamous scene where the horse's head was in the uh, the guy's bed, right? He wakes up and there's a horse, right? Well, apparently, and we found this out, by the way, when someone ordered a birthday message, there were fans from uh, of The Godfather, the movie, the trilogy. And so we found out information during the birthday message research that we do. Uh, again, go to nickroy.com slash birthdays. And so we found out that the horse's head during rehearsals was just a just a make-believe horse's head. When they actually filmed that scene, they used a real horse's head. And so the actor's reaction when he realized it was actually a the real horse's head, that was a natural scary reaction on his part. 
Yeah, it's pretty wild. You know, when something pops out of your clothing, it could be scary. You know, I used to do that to a lot of girls in, in high school. High school, right? yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're still they trauma- scream. Trust me, Nick. They scream. <laughs> yeah, they're still they're still traumatized to this day, forty plus years later. Um, and one final, one of the most horrible horror movies, House of the Dead. Simon and Greg meet a group of friends. It's always a group of friends. You ever notice? They meet yeah, a group. They're always teens too. They're always like like 18 or 19 yeah. and they, for some reason the girls always end up losing their shirts yeah exactly there's a gratuitous like topless scene it's like what is and that? they always go to the wrong place you know like let's run to the attic well this these people here these these <laughs> why group... you stupid idiots <laughs> don't go there and everyone's yelling at the same time in the movie theater don't yeah. go there yeah. so they meet a group of friends and they set out to attend a rave on a remote island when yeah. but then this is what happens they miss the ferry they decide to ride with Kirk, a smuggler. They, uh, they find the island deserted and discover that the partygoers have been killed by zombies. Now, uh, the group must evade the deadly creatures and try to find safety. However, the only means of escape, Kirk's boat, has been overrun, forcing the... Wait sur- a minute. So he would be called Captain Kirk? <laughs> That's right. <It> was, <laughs> of his boat. So Captain, Kirk, Captain Kirk's boat has been overrun, forcing the survivors to ward off the undead on their own. That's right. And at the end of the movie, it's just Kirk pulling in with the, with the boat. Yeah. And they're like, is there anybody else on it? He's like, no, but I've got these four women's T-shirts. Just like William Shatner would say, has anybody yeah. seen these shirts? Yeah, I have the shirts and these three selfie pictures. <laughs> if you ask me, it's all illogical. Ah! <laughs> I went there. In the movie Aliens, 1979 yeah. again, right? Okay, we, we, yeah. we just spoke about aliens. When they get to the chamber where all the eggs are, the, the, remember there was the one chamber where all the alien eggs were? Yes. It's like towards the end of the film yeah well remember there was this eerie blue light well it was these laser lights and they got this eerie blue light laser light thing well i love this fact because of money constraints they borrowed them from a stage crew of a rock band they actually belonged to the band the who they were part of their stage show. They were blue laser lights and part of their stage show. Well, they used these lights in the movie Aliens in 1979 at the end to show this eerie blue light. That's Isn't that fan- cool? That's fantastic. I like that, yeah. Well, you know what else is fantastic? NickandRoy.com. You go to the website. We made it really simple for everybody because... Well, if we can figure it out, so can you. Yeah, we're pretty simple. <laughs> Nick, and, yeah, a couple of simple things. It takes um, it takes shallow men to realize how deep they are. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> that was deep. Uh, NickandRoy.com is our website. Check it out. You find out a full library of previous episodes. You find out all about our birthday and anniversary messages we're talking about. You can also sign up for our newsletter for nineteen ninety five for a whole year of uh, totally useless VIP newsletter for you. Uh, the and- birthday messages are cool, folks. I mean, go on nickandroy.com. Look at the birthday message, anniversary message, birthday message. We're working on all different ones as well. But they are awesome. You'll hear a sample of it. 
But honestly, it is the greatest gift that people get on their birthdays. People are flipping out. We get so many emails from people that have gotten these messages. They love them and they buy them for their family and friends. And for a limited time only, you'll get a free one-year subscription to our newsletter when you order a birthday or anniversary message. And for a limited time, you get not only yourself, but the person you're sending it to gets a free. Now think about that. That's $19.95. So you get two subscriptions for 12 editions of our newsletter. Plus, you get the birthday message. So you're actually paying less if you buy a birthday message and getting two subscriptions. So you're basically ripping us off, folks. <laughs> yeah, we're paying you. <laughs> Thank you. NickandRoy.com. What's in the mailbag? What's in the mail? This week's mailbag comes from Donna. Donna from Iowa City, Iowa. Dear Nick and Roy, we'd love your show. I don't know how you guys do it week after week. You know what? Neither do we. But thank you. Uh, you must. <laughs> what is it that we're actually doing? I have no idea. <laughs> you must really enjoy doing the show. I also noticed that you don't have to listen for too long before you realize that you two are best of friends. Yeah, whatever. Yes, it's 40, 43, 44 years now that we're friends. So believe it or not, my gosh. Uh, here's her question. Donna says, where, where did the expression get off your high horse come from? Well, Donna, oh. thank you very much for your email. And uh, the expression of get off your high horse comes back to the 1300s. The phrase refers to a large horse, often a war horse. Those with military or political power would often choose the biggest horses to ride in, in a display of their power. Because of this height, put them physically above the crowds, people began to use this metaphorically. The expressions like get off your high horse developed later, some in the latter half of the 1700s and into the 1800s as a way of describing someone who acts like they think they're better or above others. So, right. They're like, get off your high horse and I'll kick you a donkey. <laughs> you mean kick, <laughs> okay, let me translate that for the intelligent impaired. Kick your ass. <laughs> he said as That's right. <laughs> this program is closed captioned for the intelligent impaired <laughs> I have a mailbag Kelly from Inverness or Iverness Ireland oh how cool I love that top, I want to go to Ireland it looks beautiful top of the podcast to you top of the morning to you she says I love you guys oh I love your humor, and I love the fact that you guys are really having fun doing the show. Thanks so much. I have turned so many people on to listening to it. And then she says, I want to get your newsletter, but I'm short on money. Oh. <laughs> so she said, could you help me out? And send me your newsletter for free. <laughs> so I have I have a plan here, Nick. Yeah. So I say we're going to send Kelly her newsletter for free if she sends us the name of 10 friends that she turned on to the show. I like that. Okay. So, Kelly, if you're listening now, and we will email you back, but if you're listening now, you need to list 10 friends that you turned on to the show, email it to us, and we'll send you a free subscription to the newsletter. 
Right. And for those of you out there that think you're going to pull this, come on now, be nice. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and Kelly, make sure they're actual, like real people with real email addresses. On the show today, we talked about science, we talked about history, and we scared you with some horror. It's time for the news. And now, from around the corner and around the world, this is TUI News. It's been a while since we visited the state in the United States in South Miami, Florida. Florida again. Surveillance video recorded in early January shows the crew outside of a home near Dante Fassell Park. One thief used a rock and a boulder to try to break a hurricane impact resistant glass door as the family slept inside. It's like horror again. Yeah. Detectives say the thieves found a parked Mercedes-Benz with a key fob inside, and they were trying to get to the keys of a parked Bentley. Ooh. Their modus operandi is a dark is to wear dark clothing. Wow, Nick said modus operandi. Right, yes. It, it, isn't that a brand of car? No. Oh, that's a Hyundai. Although they were trying to steal a car, so it sounds to me like that word would fit. Their mo- <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Can they operate a vehicle? So their modus operandi is... Oh, folks, by the way, on on next week's uh, show, we'll tell you what modus operandi means. (laughs) That's right, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Their modus operandi, again, in case we can't wait till next week, their their plan was to wear (laughs) dark-colored... Their plan. Their plan. That's right. (laughs) So their modus operandi... Yeah, their plan is to wear dark-colored clothing and to break into homes in search of key fobs for luxury cars. We are mm-hmm. able to track one of these guys responsible, plus 13 other cases, according to Sergeant Fernando Bosch of the South Miami Police Department. Mm-hmm. Joshua Reed, 19, was out on bond for Grand Theft Auto, not the game, but actually Grand Theft Auto, and has a pending case in Palm Beach County, appeared in Miami-Dade Court recently. We were able to track Joshua Reed because... He had a county court's pre-trial release GPS ankle-worn bracelet. Oh, no. When he was part of the crew's crime spree. So he had the tracking device on his person when he steals the car, which, (laughs) by the way, the Bentley has a tracking device in it as well. Exactly. So, So basically, the cops are sitting there going... Which one do you want to use to catch these guys? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Detectives. And, oh, look at that. They're on their way to Stupidville. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just outside of Rikers. Uh, detectives questioned Reed at the North Miami the Police Department on uh, the other day, and he denied it all. Apparently, he couldn't read, because if he could have, he would have read the ankle bracelet, which said, yes. this is how we're going to catch you. <laughs> detectives were still searching for Reed's accomplices. Reed is facing mm. four counts of burglary. Check the trunk. That's right, yes. Always check the trunk. Reed is facing four counts of burglary of an occupied dwelling. You know, this is police speak. Basically, it's a a home invasion. Four counts of burglary of an unoccupied structure. Maybe it was the Okay. Two counts of first degree. What are they talking about? His forehead? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Unoccupied structure. Four counts of possession of unoccupied structure. His head. Two counts of first-degree grand theft. 
two counts of second-degree grand theft and third-degree grand theft of a vehicle, armed grand theft of a vehicle, and criminal it mischief. It would have been so much better had they gotten the guy from the Muppets to do it. He would have been like, one count. No. <laughs> the count. <laughs> one count of robbery. So we had like the ah, trifecta. Ah, ah, ah. First degree, second degree, third degree. Therefore, so, so wait a yeah, second. So yeah. now, did they find the other guys? They're still looking for them. Well, because they didn't have ankle bracelets. That's right. <laughs> and that's why I call this the cracker had a tracker. Oh, my God. I mean, that is insanity when you think about it, Nick. I mean, why would he do that? Absolutely not. But anyway, he's, uh, he's thinking about it in jail right now. And you know what? He's all locked up and nowhere to go. That's all the time we have for this episode of Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. We will scour the internet, among other sources, and our staff will do the same, and we will gather totally useless information just for you. Well, until then, folks, we want you to tell everyone that you know. Put it on Facebook. Put it on Instagram. Tell everybody that Roy and Nick are the greatest people in the world. We're humanitarians and philanthropists as well, right. and we're also full of it. Yeah. So, <laughs> useless information we are. Tell your friends until next week. We'll see you then. I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Thanks for listening. Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy is a production of NickandRoy.com. Visit NickandRoy.com to access the full library of episodes or wherever you get your podcasts.